What a privilege it is this morning to, to share the Word of God. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pete. What you also might not know is that I teach teenagers all week. So I know when you're not listening. Um, I can see if you're sleeping, um, and I have a sixth sense for that. And so as we share the Word this morning, I want to encourage you just to open up your Bible, find a highlighter. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures this morning, but... This passage, or this time, we're looking at the war on wisdom, and wisdom comes from the Word of God. And so this morning, as we go through it, underline it, scratch it, go back, go, go relook it, etc., etc., because there's power in the Word of God. So the question I have, the opening question to you this morning is, do you battle with pride? Anybody? Okay, nobody. Okay, cool. So that's fine. So um, the second question is, are you a parent? Is any of you parents here? Great, okay. So have you ever seen your kids doing something? And as they do it, you go, that's definitely your genes, babe. That's definitely, that's definitely you. Um, I have four children. Um, I'm not going to mention names. But on a sports field, sometimes one of my children go, Mr. Referee. And Kate looks at me and goes, that's your boy. Or they come out of a test and they go, well, at least I didn't do as badly as blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what? <laughs> so if you're a parent, how many of you have battled with pride suddenly? Now all of a sudden, okay. How many of you are males here? Great. If you're a male, fantastic. Do you battle with pride? Don't worry. It started in the third book of Genesis. Okay. Right there. Okay. So, ooh. No comment. Um, so <laughs> it happened right there where he ate the apple. And God came and said, hey, why did you eat the apple? And what did he do? It was her. It was her. It was Eve's fault. She did it. She told me to eat it. Are you a woman here this morning? Battle with pride? You know what she said? It was the snake. It was the snake. So this morning, I want to say to you, before we get started, it's all of us. Okay? We are all here, and we all battle with the concept of pride and of humility and that's why God's grace and His Word is so encouraging to us this morning. So are you ready to open it up with me this morning? I did a quick Google search on, on humility and what it is. And so I looked and I, and I saw there were some modern day wise people who have said some things about humility. One of them is a guy called Simon Sinek. He's not a cynic. It says, humility I have learned shall not be confused with meekness. Humility is being open to the ideas of others. That's nice, Simon. Thank you. Confucius, he say, humility is a solid foundation of all virtue. Okay? So that's my best Confucius accent. No thanks. And then there's one more from a chap that we may have heard in church circles is Charles Spurgeon. And he says, revenge, lust, ambition, pride, and self-will are too often exalted as the gods of man's idolatry. While holiness... Peace, contentment, and humility are viewed as unworthy of a serious thought. Wow. Okay, that's a lot of thinking in there. Benj, I'll test you later. Okay. So there's lots of voices that are talking to us and shouting at, at, about our own pride or how to be humble or how to lead with humility or how to be meek. Let's look at the Word of God this morning. Let's go to what He says. Those are great statements, but let's look at the Word of God and what He says. And with that as reference, how many of you are good at spotting things in a picture? Okay, 
Cool, great. Sonia, you said yes. I'm going to show you a picture now this morning. It's probably some that you all know, and it's a value of perspective. Okay, so the first picture I've taken is I've, I've zoomed a picture in. If you can go one more on. That picture is zoomed in 783,137 times. That's the number of words in the Bible in the King James Version. So, Sonia, can you tell me what that picture is? No idea. Okay, fantastic. Well, let's zoom it out a little bit because that's the, that's the first, that's it, that's it, words in the Bible. If we take it one further, next one, verses in the Bible at 31,102. Can we still get a, can you see the picture clearly? No. Not so much, okay. So, so many, for many of us, we look at a word or it's one scripture, we, we build the whole picture. And the word of God is so much bigger than that. So let's go to the one, one version out from that, and that's 66 books in the Bible, okay? Can we see the picture yet? That's one to 66. Anybody know what it is yet? Any guesses? It's a rock. He's a geologist who said that, okay? Any more? I want to tell you that when we get true perspective, when we start to see what God says throughout his whole word, when we know what he says as in the person of Jesus and through the the presence of his Holy Spirit, we start to see the full picture. We start to see what God says about us, about who we are, about where we're placed to be, that we're one of the seven wonders of the world. We are a wonder make. You are made in God's image. You are beautifully made. But you've got to start seeing it from God's perspective. And when we know that God created something, suddenly we can start to see humility because we're no longer looking at ourselves. We're looking at God's view on something. So now can we see the picture? Okay. And it was something we've all seen. It's something we all see every day, or if you go to Cape Town, and there it is. But when we see God's perspective on stuff, it's incredible. In Hebrews 4, it says the following. It says, for the word of God is alive and active Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This morning, we're going to judge our thoughts and our attitudes, but we're going to do it with the Word of God, because humility and pride is about the thought and the attitude of our heart. So this morning, if you've got your Bible, won't you open it? Book of Proverbs, just next to the Book of Psalms, uh, in the Old Testament, so it's kind of in the first half. Um, in the middle there, we're going to be underlining a lot of Proverbs this morning. The title for my sermon this morning is the following, I am so proud to be humble, okay? And this morning, we're going to be comparing what it is to have pride and humility and, and just seeing the, how God has created us to be actually humble. And how God was the greatest example of humility ever. And that we can follow his example. It's interesting that Proverbs 3 is our main scripture for today. But that scripture is repeated twice in the New Testament. In the book of, of James 4, it says, He gives us more grace. I don't know about you, but I need more grace this morning. It says, He gives us more grace. And he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility cures worldliness, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In 1 Peter 5, it says the following, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Cool, eh? God cares for you. 
Point blank, done, tick. He wants to extend more grace to you, tick. So this morning, I, I think it's so interesting that in the book of Galatians 5, there's the, they, um, Paul highlights the fruits of the Spirit. Does anybody know what they are? Love, joy, peace. Well done, Byron. You get a star, sticker later. I think I've got a spare one in my pocket. Okay, those are the fruits of the Spirit. But interestingly enough, humility is not one of them. But is it easy to have love without being humble? Probably not. Is it easy to be kind without, to show goodness without being humble? And self-control? And what about patience and faithfulness? And so sometimes our humility is one of those things that, that should be exuded through us and the fruits of the Spirit come out of it, but through humility we can act out those things. So here we go. Proverbs 3 verses 5. This is the scripture you want to underline. And it says the following. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It continues and says, what is it, who knows what it says after that? In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And so this morning I want to say to you the first thing that we need to do is we need to find our saving in the person of Jesus Christ. If we want true humility, it comes through the life of Jesus Christ. It's an unbelievable biblical summary of what humility is. Look at the person of Jesus. And so to be humble, we must do the following. Trust. Trust in who? Trust in what? Do we trust in ourselves? No, we trust in the person of Jesus Christ. If we trust in ourselves, that's pride. If we trust in Jesus, that's humility. Trust in the Lord. With what? With all. With not a little bit, but with all of our heart. And the third part then, we should not lean on our own understanding. We shouldn't use our, not think of ourselves wise in our own eyes. A bit like that perspective picture I showed you earlier. Wouldn't you want to trust someone who sees the whole picture? Wouldn't you want to see, trust someone who knows, who created, who made you? That's who you want to trust. Not our own understanding where we only see a little bit, but he sees the whole lot. And so the first part I want to say to you is humility is this. Humility is upside down. Humility is completely upside down to what the world wants, expects, and actually celebrates in this life. In Matthew 5, I think it shows us the greatest example of humility. You see, humility is often characterized by gratitude or a lack of arrogance, but I think it's actually a biblical one goes far beyond this. It looks at the continuous goodness and faithfulness of God. That's what humility is, is that it points to the person of Jesus more and more than it does to ourselves. And so in Psalm 25, it says, verse 9, it says, He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his ways. And so our humility should be grounded in the person of Jesus, the nature of God, the good nature of God. And so how many of you know this Jesus? Let me tell you about this Jesus. This is a person who humbly left heaven probably the coolest place to be ever, and came to be with us. That's an act of humility. He was born in relative obscurity in a, in a stable, amongst animals and on a bed of hay. Not in a palace or in a, in a mansion. That's humble. He, he spent his time with his, his mom and dad, a carpenter, in a life of humility. He, he, he hung out with people like me, fishermen and crazy oaks who were passionate and silly, but he did it to tell the world about Jesus and about God the Father. 
He loved us so much that he called us. He healed the sick. He delivered those who were plagued by demons. He raised people from the dead. He went out of his way to find a woman at a well because he knew that she needed a word from God. He raised his friend from the dead. He he was amazing. That is the person that we follow. That is the humble king. And yet he comes into town riding on a donkey, celebrated as a king, and then is crucified on a rugged cross for you and for me. That is humility. But the greatest part of it is that this humble king then rose from the dead so that you, me, and all of us here can have a relationship with him. That is humility. When we care so much for the other that we're willing to do whatever we need for them to see the goodness of God and the glory of God, that is humility. And so let's look to Jesus. His first recorded sermon in the book of Matthew, okay? The one where the crowd starts to gather and the people come around. How many of you know this? It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's just a magnificent piece of scripture. And let's just read the first five or six verses together. So we can put that up. That'd be great. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. How upside down is that? How upside down from how we celebrate the world nowadays? We celebrate those who have attained something in their own strength or made something in their own might. But this is God saying, we're poor in spirit. Let's, blessed are you. Those of you who mourn and comfort, yeah, blessed are those who are humble. It's upside down, but it's right way up and it makes the world make sense. It gives us a purpose and a hope. See, Jesus perfectly summarizes humility in a countercultural address saying to all of the people, live lives of repentance, of service, and of genuine love for me and for others. That is humility, and it's inspiring so much. But why? Let's look at Proverbs again. Proverbs 22, 4, it says, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. In Proverbs 11, it says, when pride comes, it comes with disgrace, but with humility, there comes wisdom. See, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, true true humility is not thinking of less of ourselves. It's just thinking of ourselves less. And biblical humility is not about us lowering ourselves. It's about thinking of God first and then others, and then we think of ourselves. And that is a magnificent place to be. I suppose the pitfall for this is false humility, and Paul even talks against the false humility where we, we almost belittle ourselves to make ourselves look good. Some of us, I'm pretty sure most of us have done that at some point. Oh, don't worry, oh, no, thanks. It's a bit of a badge of honor being humble, you know? Don't worry, I've got this, you know? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. It's not about lowering ourselves. It's about making much of God. Even Paul, in the book of 1 Timothy, says, I am the worst of all sinners. And he's not doing that to make berate himself. He's saying it because of how good God is. He's saying, if God could save me, well, he can save you. 
And that's the point of his humility, always pushing, pu- making much of God, not making less of himself. So the first part of humility, is, I believe, is it's upside down. The second thing I believe is that humility is eternally rewarding. For, from today and for the rest of our lives and into eternity, our humility will be eternally rewarded. In Proverbs 22, verses 4, it says this. It says, The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. How many of you want riches and honor and life? I do. I want riches and honor and life. And I think the promise of knowing God and having a humble life with God is just so valuable. It warns us against the pitfalls of pride, but it also gives us the joy of humility. So God is encouraging us here to have lives of faith and of service and of love for him. I love the fact that after Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount, how many of you know that in Matthew 6, he then talks about how we should act out things. So he says, when you pray, don't stand on the street corners and pray loud so everyone can hear. He says, where do you pray? You pray in your secret room where no one can see, where the Father sees, and he knows what you're doing. He says, and when you give, don't, don't give so that everyone can say, oh, Stefan, well done, good job on giving. No, he says, give because the Father knows. And then he says, and when you fast, don't go, oh, I'm so hungry for Thursday. He says, no, don't berate and look sorrowful. He says, do it because the Father knows. And so the eternal rewarding is this, is that when we do this, when we love God and we serve others and we live out of humility, you know what? You know who sees us? The most important person is God the Father. He sees it. He recognizes it. And he knows that your humility, if done with a genuine heart, is there to honor him and to advance him. Okay. So, Proverbs 29, verses 23. One's pride will bring him low, but one who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Proverbs 16, pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before a fall. But finally, Proverbs 3, 34, it says, Towards the the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he will give you favor. I want favor with God. I want something that's eternally rewarding. I want to live a life that is humble before the humble king. I want that. And so thirdly, I've said to you, yes, it's it's upside down. It's eternally rewarding. But how do we do it? How do we live a humble life with God? How do we set our days and become more humble? And I believe this is where we come into the book of James. And it says the following. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, that was the proverb that we had at the beginning of the, of the message this morning. And it says that God, it starts there with God. That Proverbs 3 scripture that's repeated in 1 Peter and in James is the same word, Greek origin word. And it starts with this. It starts with how we do it. It starts with the word that God gives, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If we are rightly aligned with God, I believe that we can be humble. I believe that if we put God first, then we can be humble. When we put ourselves first, we step into pride. But when we put God first, we can have that humility. I love the fact that even in this scripture, we see James and we see Peter saying, start, start out your day, start out your week, start out your moments with this thought, God first. Even Jesus said it. What is the most important commandment is this, is to love the Lord your God first with all your heart, with all your soul. And then the second, you love others. 
And so when we put God first, when we say, yes, God, I want to put you first in everything, rightly align my life to yours, I believe he gives us humility to touch the world. I think it gives us a much greater perspective on who God actually is. And so when we hear all of that stuff, it's, it's great. But some of you might think, well, I still battle. It's okay. The Bible is filled with people who've battled with this. But I believe God's grace is incredible and his grace is sufficient. And his asking you today is to try again, to start again. Let's realign. Let's rightly align. And let's put God first. And so I want to I finish with this is that we need to take heart. I want us to take heart in our humility journey. I want us to take heart in this. And the book of Philippians, Paul, who was, he sees himself as the chief sinner. He writes a hymn, and it's called, this is called the hymn of Christ. Many theologians have called it in Philippians 2. And he's encouraging that church not to get into the position of self-idolatry and not putting the right things first. And so this morning, I want to, I want us to take heart in this passage of Scripture because I believe it's still prevalent today. This encouragement to the Philippian church is the same as it is to our church here in Summers West today. Philippians 2, verses 3 into 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or from conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, I believe that's true humility, where Paul is encouraging us as a church to look to the example of Jesus Christ that emptied himself for us. That it's not about us having it all together in our own strength. In, con in contrary fashion, it's actually about us not having it together and trusting the one who holds it all together and putting our hope and our faith and our trust in him, the Jesus that I know and the Jesus that I want you to know. And so this, this morning, I wanna, I wanna close by praying. I wanna pray for us. See, I wanna finish also with that question I started with. How many of you battle with pride? How many of us need God's grace this morning to help us not battle with pride? How many of us need to look to the grace of God and to the goodness of God? You see, I believe that this morning there's an invitation for us. The first is to write our relationship with God because we cannot have humility without a right relationship with God, that perspective that he gives us. The second is that we, he then gives us the humility to serve and to love others, not because of us, in spite of us, and for their benefit. And then thirdly, God will... It is upside down. It is countercultural, but that's what God has called us to. And so today, this morning, I want us to pray. Now, I don't have anything special. God is special. And so this morning, in the, out of humility, I'm going to ask you to pray one for another because I believe that actually the Spirit of, the God, of God is here. It says where two or more gathered, He's here. And so it's not this 
preacher who can preach something and pray something and something, it's not about that. It's about the grace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray for each other. Because almost everyone put their hands up to say they battle with pride. And if you didn't, you put up your hand to say you battle with humility, and that's okay. So let's pray for that. But this morning, I want us to pray for each other. I want us to pray that we can be encouraged, firstly, for a right relationship with Jesus. And secondly, if there is an aspect that you need prayer for, I want you to ask that person out of humility to pray for you. I want you to ask him and say, Dad, I'm battling with this. Can you pray for me? And I think that is where God is magnificent. So won't we do that? Donnie, have you got some music that we can put on for two, two secs? Can we do that? And then I'll wrap up in prayer. But I want you to pray one for another. And let's trust Jesus to do something magnificent this morning in our hearts. So Lord God, as these people now pray one for another, Lord God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit, your magnificent Holy Spirit would come and do what only the Holy Spirit can do where you can convict hearts, you can, you can change hearts, Father God, you can, you can do so much. So I pray, Lord, as we open ourselves up and we pray for each other, we thank you that your Holy Spirit would minister deep, deep into the hearts of people. Father God, we come against pride, even in this moment. We're battling with pride, Father God. I pray we put it down and we humbly ask, we submit to you and we say, Lord, won't you do something in this moment? As I lay my pride down and I humbly ask you for your grace to be extended, won't you extend it? We thank you, Lord, for breakthrough right now. In Jesus' name. Won't you turn to pray with someone? Thank you.
I tell you, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when you see people ministering and loving and giving of themselves. Please don't hide this from the world. Please don't let this be the only place where we encourage people's hearts. Please don't let this be the only time that we speak hope and purpose into people's souls because the world needs it. And so this morning, I'm going to close by praying for boldness for you. It sounds odd, eh? Pete, you've had a sermon on humility and now you're asking for boldness. It's upside down. But the world needs this message, guys. They need Jesus. Above all, they need Jesus. We can put our, our lives and our trust in things and in a moment they're gone. Last night reminded us that in a moment it could all be gone. But Jesus is forever. And His hope is forever. And this morning, if, if, if I leave you with nothing else, I want you to leave you that is that Jesus loves you. He loves you. And He wants to love the people that you know. And He's asking you to tell them. And me. Not out of arrogance. Not because we have it all together. Actually because we don't. But He does. And He holds it together. So I'm going to pray for that. And if you want to keep having someone pray for you, cool, pull in. Because we're here and we're going to pray until something happens. We're going to push into what God has for you. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every precious soul that's here this morning, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that they weren't here by accident this morning, that they were here by design, Lord Jesus. They weren't here, Father God, out of tradition. They were here because you had an appointment with them, Jesus. And this morning, Father God, as we preached and we spoke about humility, Lord God, I thank you that it's all because of who you are and you showed us what that is because you gave your very, very, very best, your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us so that we could have a life that matters and a life, Lord God, where there's hope and a purpose and a future. And this morning, Lord God, I pray for boldness for each and every person here, Lord God, that we would live out our faith, that we would speak about our faith, and that we would point to Jesus. Not out of perfect words, Lord God, or out of our perfect stuff, but almost, Lord God, just because you are holy and you are good and you are perfect, out of us just being people, that the Spirit of God through us would change their lives, Lord Jesus. We pray for that. I pray, Lord, that this would be a bold church, that this would be a bold people, who love you and know that they're commissioned for you. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I pray your blessing over this people. And it says in the word that, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, may that be with you today and all the days of your life. Amen. Amen. May you be blessed today as you go. And if you want more prayer, pull in. We're praying. It's a rock and roll thing to pray for people. It's a privilege. And if, you, if you're not and you're getting dunked, Aquaman will go with you. But we're not rushing this. So if you need prayer, come on through. It's, it's a privilege. But have an amazing week. God loves you and we love you. Amen.